welcome to the ATEM podcast. My name is Andrew Clark, and this is the place to be to catch up on what you missed at the 2021 edition of the online 24 hours of ATEM. So, for this fifth episode, we will cover a holistic view of QOE and QoS. So, let's start the engines. We have here our partners. I'll do just a quick introduction of the team. So now we're going to talk about the holistic view of QE and QNS, the power of analytics with our friends and partners from NPOW. And Damien will be with us presenting. Just confirm you can see my screen. So yeah, Damien, I just have to mute you. Okay. So my name is Bruno Magalhães. I'm the sales engineering director for LATAM. I'll be hosting the session. We're gonna be taking questions in the Q&A uh, button of the Zoom tool. You can send your questions and we're gonna be answer everything in the end of the session. So I'll give the floor to Damien and Ruben to present themselves and we'll go with the presentation. So I, st I start from my perspective, right? Yes. <laughs> Hey, hi. Uh, my name is Ruben Sion Mejias. I'm the, the Chief Sales Officer from Nice People at Work. Yeah, I'm having the session today about the holistic view of QE and QS. With you guys, thank you for the invitation and thank you for the possibility to show the added value we're gaining and generating uh, between both companies. Thank you, Ruben. Um, so I'm Damien Lucas. Um, I'm Chief Product Officer at ATEM. Um, to give you a little bit of background, I was a co-founder at Anivia, um, and as you probably all know uh, nowadays, um, Anivia has been acquired last year by uh, by Atem, and uh, now we are merging all the products together. and, and I'm happy to uh, have this role with uh, with Atem, um, and I'm happy to have this session um, today with uh, nice people at work and um, talking about. Uh, analytics so maybe we can uh, we can start uh, we can start quickly uh, introducing uh, the agenda for this uh, for this session um, let's start with a brief introduction and uh, setting the scene uh, having a quick uh, background view of what we're talking about and, and this focus on the architecture of a multi delivery video infrastructure um, just, just to give an idea of what we're talking about. As soon as we will have covered that, uh, we will be uh, presenting and I will be presenting the, the benefits of server-side analytics. Um, and then we will have uh, Ruben uh, explaining all the benefits of uh, client-side uh, analytics. The idea is to uh, keep that first part of the presentation quite short so that we can keep uh, keep some time for a fireside chat. So having a few discussions together on, on, um, on the uh, different topics and, and answering all the questions from the audience. Uh, they're, they're, this is typically a topic where there is usually a lot of questions. So don't hesitate. You can start, um, uh, start um, writing down your questions as soon as now. Um, and, and Bruno will uh, select all the different questions and uh, make sure that you, you will make sure the, the, the question will be raised during this uh, second part of the presentation. So moving to um, multi-delivery um, video architecture, uh, let's start with a very, very high level and then we will dig a little bit uh, further. If we're looking at typically uh, IPTV delivery, OTT delivery, what, what, whatever it is. Uh, let's concentrate really on the delivery part. And the delivery part is made of the final transcoding. So the transcoding for delivery. There may be some encoding, transcoding before that for contribution, primary distribution, et cetera, et cetera. But let's, let's focus on the delivery part. And then we have different setups, uh, typically um, CDNs uh, for delivery of the content, whether that's IPTV again, or OTT, caching based or, or streaming based, uh, but 
And then within the attempt product branch, the transcoding would be the Titan product branch and the delivery would be the NIA product branch. Those two platforms, obviously they are connected to a service platform to be able to provide the right uh, services for the end user. It's also connected to a DRM platform. Again, quite, quite, um, quite obvious in order to make sure that the content that is displayed is actually secured correctly. There are a few others integration required. Let's not name all of them. Those two are probably the two major uh, integration in, in such um, an architecture. And obviously, most importantly, we have the different players. So the different players here, we have um, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, bring your own device, whether this is set-top box based, whether that's um, software player, hardware player, whatever it is, we have a, a wide range of different players. And typically, the number one requirement of our customer with such a, an architecture is to increase and enhance the quality of service, the quality of experience. So if we move to the next slide, the first thing we, sh we could be thinking of is how to fine tune what we call the video delivery data plane. So the video de delivery data plane is really the transcoding and the delivery. This, this part where the video lies, okay? Not, not the user interface, not the DRM, really the flow of the video itself how to fine tune it in order to make sure that we bring the best experience to the end user. From an encoding point of view, easy questions. Uh, we, can, we, we can basically uh, ask which is the base profile to fit uh, the end user player and the end user screen. What's uh, the available bandwidth and which uh, bandwidth uh, could be used. Um, what's the best codec. Etc. Etc. And from a delivery side, we have a number of questions as well. What what format um, are used? Shall we be focusing on um, fine tuning the delivery for HLS? Shall we be focusing on uh, enhancing the delivery for uh, Dash? Which Dash version? Etc. Etc. Also, the question of content. Which are the the pieces of content that should be um, Fine-tune, is that more for certain VOD asset? Is that more for certain live asset? Is that for catch-up, for replay, for cloud DVR, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe some specific channels would require more attention than other channels. And last question, where? In which, in which part of the country, in which countries, in which cities, in, in which areas of the network, et cetera, et cetera. Because maybe there are some areas that, that would require more focus and more attention than any other area. So it, it's important. And in fact, with a solution that's, as such, an operator would have no clue about all, the, all those different questions. So this is basically where, where starts the need for analytics. So with an analytic platform, that's on the next slide, with an analytics platform, we can grab a lot of data with regards to what is actually being delivered, what is being watched. And that helps to get an idea of which profiles are used, which codecs are viewed, which bandwidth is actually used. Uh, what are the most popular formats? What are the most popular pieces of content? and where the, con where the content is, is watched and which content is watched where, and so on and so on and so on. So this is, let's say, the basics that push some operators, and I should say most of the operators to start to have an analytics platform. But as soon as we start with such an analytics service, we can see that we definitely have a lot more applications and a, a lot more use cases for an, an analytic service. So on, on the next slide, and thank you uh, Ruben for that slide, we have a view of 
all the different teams that can benefit from an analytic service, okay? Obviously, as, I, as, as we can imagine, the operation team would have a great benefit. It helps to have a good monitoring of the service, have a good idea of the different incidents and the impacts of these incidents. Again, which content, which area of the network, and so on and so on. By having an analytics platform, you can also have an idea of uh, the root cause, because by putting all the different analytics together, you, you can start having an idea of where it comes from. And it gives you generic KPI on the, uh, on the quality of the service. So that's basically a great benefit for the operation team. On the other end, if we look from the marketing point of view and a business point of view, it helps planning the, the, the growth of the business. It helps planning and understanding the growth of the audience. And it helps driving the growth of the audience, more importantly than anything else. It helps promoting the quality of the service. And it helps understanding where could be the operational improvement. And in between, all the different teams could be uh, benefiting from an analytics platform. The customer care, uh, obviously, when there is an incident with a customer, it helps understanding that. It helps also managing the escalation internally. It helps uh, the resolution um, of customer incidents. And, and it can be used in order to decide whether a claim is justified or not. The engineering team would benefit also from the analytics, um, from the network capacity planning, that's quite obvious, but also qualifying the different devices, understanding whether some devices actually perform better than others, whether an issue comes from specific devices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, understanding this, the, the performance of the service and understanding which are the possible optimizations. So before we look at a more holistic view of these analytics, I suggest we really focus on the server-side analytics. Um, and I will be very quickly presenting some um, applications of the server-side analytics uh, on the next slide. So basically, what, how to build server-side analytics, that's pretty simple. Imagine you have a lot of streaming servers or caching servers distributed across your network, uh, delivering a given OTT service or IPTV service. Uh, the idea of a server-side analytics is to collect all the logs from all the different servers. That's quite basic. And based on that, making sure it can provide the right dashboards, the right graphs, the right, the right KPI in order to help you understand how the service works, how the flows of the videos are distributed inside the network where could be the bottlenecks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a few different examples. And the first one on the next slide here is basically to monitor what's happening in the CDN. Very basic KPI. Here you can see, and I believe a lot of you are very familiar with that specific graph. You can see the video consumption over a week. And that's pretty simple. You see every evening you've got a peak, you've got one peak which is higher than the other, it's very likely uh, the Saturday evening, and, and then you see the, all the, those different peaks. Sometimes you see a peak during midday depending on the countries as well, etc, etc. And here you can look at different KPIs. Um, we can see on the top, we have a KPI for uh, heat ratio. We'll be talking about that later on. You can see KPIs on um, a lot of different data, the kind of uh, 
the kind of content? Is that more live? Is that more thought? Is et cetera, et cetera. So let's move to uh, the next slide with a, another uh, example, which would be looking specifically at optimizing the CDN. And optimizing the CDN would really, um, the, the idea would really be to make sure that we can reach the highest heat ratio possible. So monitoring the heat ratio on each point of the network will help a, um, an operator understanding how the CDN can be fine-tuned by adding more caching capacity, so storage capacity, adding more nodes or concentrating the nodes or moving the flows differently inside the CDN in order to maybe enhance the heat ratio from 80% to 90% to 95% to 98%, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And each percent that you can gain on the heat ratio means gigabit per second, tens of gigabit per second, or even more. So it's very important to be able to monitor that heat ratio, and that's very simple to get with a server-side analytics. Moving forward. With another, um, with another use case, it can be very useful to plan network capacity. As you probably know, the flow inside the CDN can be, uh, let's say, non-trivial, depending on the topology of the network. And it's important to be able to plan network capacity ahead of time, because deploying additional pieces of hardware in the far edge of the network, that could take time because it needs to be procured, it needs to be installed, it needs to be um, accepted before putting under production. So it needs to be planned ahead of, ahead of time. And with server-side analytics, it's actually pretty easy to understand where will be the bottlenecks understanding where the flow comes, what are the different iter ratio, what are the different CPU usage, etc., etc. Here we have a, a map of a typical uh, real example of a deployment. Um, and what we basically see for a successful OTT service is that, well, we can actually look at two things. So the number one is that the capacity used so the peak traffic more or less doubles so that means that it's very important to plan correctly uh, the, the the network capacity and the cdn capacity the second thing that we see on this graph is if you look at the peak of a given year it becomes actually the peak that is achieved every week on the next year. So based on the highest peak during one year, you know what's gonna be your regular traffic on the year after. And that's also is quite important because it helps planning the capacity because you know what's gonna be the regular traffic, you know what's gonna be the peak traffic. And it's very important to understand all that to make sure that when, when the OTT service grows, because it's successful, the quality stays very good and the service continues to be successful because that will be driving more and more adoption, driving more and more subscribers, driving more and more revenues and driving more and more successful service. So, so that's basically um, a very important topic in, 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 that, in that area. Um, we have another use case here which is looking at how to optimize a service. And one important KPI and, and an important dashboard that our customers are using is to look at the usage of the different video profiles. And if we look at all the different available profiles here, from the lower resolution on the left to the highest resolution on the right, we see that there is some possible optimization in the bitrate ladder. 
So in the bitrate ladder, probably we could add another couple of resolution in between the three that are the most um, popular resolution because most of the bandwidth available is, for, is, is really concentrated around those three. So maybe it would be worse having a better granularity here and maybe it would be worse having less granularity on the lower resolution. This is really focusing the transcoding power. So focusing the CPU used for transcoding where, where it's actually required by the user. Some of the profiles here are more or less useless because they are not watched by any customer. And some others would actually benefit from having more CPU either to create another profile in between or maybe to enhance the quality for that specific bandwidth. So such a dashboard, we can see here that it really helps from a very simple dashboard, it helps to drive the configuration of your head end in order to be able to provide the best picture quality to the end user. And this is typically what we can achieve with server side, making sure that all the delivery part works as, as well as possible. And then I, for, for the second part of this presentation, um, Ruben will explain what you can get even further and, and how you can benefit even more by having those client-side analytics on top of the uh, server-side analytics. Yeah, thank you, Damien, for showing the server-side analytics uh, setup and overview from, from an RTM perspective. Uh, I would like to show how we combine the dots. Yeah, so how we combine uh, left and right, how we combine the, the, the OTT chain with the client setup. So it's like I mentioned, so we combine the dots by integrating uh, logs from the CDN vendor uh, by integrabilities and capabilities, combining the overview of what is happening from an, from an OTT delivery perspective with the end user. Yeah, this means that uh, we can show yeah, how uh, the end user is affected by problems, by changes, yeah, by, uh, by any topics which might occur in a service, but uh, we have also, by having an integrated setup, uh, we have the possibility to show the evolution, but also to fine tune the end-to-end -end setup. It's like you mentioned, Damia, um, the uh, renditions or profile setup, codecs, yeah? So we can show from an end-user perspective which renditions or profiles are really used, yeah, to improve the cost structure from a CDN perspective. So. Uh, due to the fact that we are working from a multi-tenant capabilities from a day-by-day -day perspective together, you using our data, we interacting day-by-day -day with you and our customers, we can show the possibilities that, yeah, that uh, what can be improved and what, what should be changed. Yeah? Another topic which is important from, from, from our perspective is if something from a source management perspective is affecting the end-to-end -end chain, yeah, by having an integrated setup from a CDN and a uh, client setup perspective, we can validate the cost structure, how it affects end customer or the customer. So a part of that, by integrating the logs, we have the possibility also to integrate the geo data, the inventory data of the different CDN pops, meaning we can show also yeah, uh, in, a, in a very fast way when something is affecting the end-to-end -end chain, the OTT delivery chain by seeing the quality of experience of the end consumer, meaning that we match QE with the QS values from ATEM in one single setup. Yeah, being independent in devices, being independent from a player infrastructure. And uh, yeah, that's, I think it's a very, very good performance yeah, for the uh, service provider to see what is happening in the end-to-end -end chain. This in combination by interesting the network inventory data yeah in combination the of the of the inventory data of the CDN pops we are so granular that we really can see what is affecting the end consumer or what is the evolution which we are bringing with the new codec a new profile so we are matching the experience from a QE and QS perspective yeah let's let's talk a little bit more about the 
Italian capabilities we have jointly from a, a temp and a nice people to work. If we go to the next slide, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you deploy yeah, in your group, you have different services in different countries. You deployed several CDNs with a uh, solution yeah, like ours. You can combine the CDNs into one OSS layer, into one, one client analytics setup, and you can share the best practice across the different countries. This is something we're currently doing for several big customers. Yeah, and I think this is exactly what customers are looking for. Instead of buying three OSS layers from a client analytics perspective, you can combine it into one setup. Yeah, and you can improve yeah, the quality of experience uh, with the quality of service from a student. Yeah, this is something we can judge jointly so we can fine tune from a transcoding encoding perspective, origin and CDN perspective, the interaction from a head end with a device by showing the values from a client analytics perspective. And I think it's heavily improving the quality of experience. But not only from a, from a single CAPEX on-prem installation perspective, combining different CDNs, we are also capable to do a mixed mode. If you go to the next slide from a multi-tenant perspective, we can combine, next slide, Yes, sorry. Yeah, we can combine uh, uh, CDN deployments with CDN as a service deployments into one common setup. So we can measure and match multiple CDN infrastructures yeah, from different service providers yeah, uh, to offload existing uh, CDN infrastructures. Yeah, so there are several capabilities. A part of having uh, com combining different on-prem CDNs, we have also the possibility to combine CDN as a service setups, like from Akamai or Lumen, in combination with deployments from ATEM into one single setup. Here we have the possibility, and this is what you showed uh, uh, some minutes ago, we have the possibility to adopt our dashboards and our look and feel according to the needs of each parts of the organization. So from a customer care perspective, we really only focus on the real values which are needed to manage the end consumers, from an operation perspective, we can uh, faster interact yeah, by having a faster way of communicating, seeing real-time uh, real data. From a business perspective, we can show the improvements or uh, which is an important question, how, how many devices should I deploy or how many devices should I use for my service? So in many, many cases, we see yeah, 95 to 98% uh, are mainly four to five devices. Instead of deploying 20 devices from a client, uh, a client perspective, we can show also with our solution, yeah, not only the performance in interacting with the CDN and, and the uh, fine tuning process combining with that or in, in associate, association with that, yeah, we can also yeah, show you how many devices should, you should really deploy to reduce costs in terms of service deployment setups. Yeah, but I think uh, not only the multi-tenant topic uh, is an important topic. I think, uh, yeah, if we go to the next slide, yeah, a multi-CDN approach to manage the end consumer yeah, with different sources yeah, is an important topic. Yeah, meaning that uh, we have a multi-vendor CDN environment where we actively switch customers for, to the best performing CDN. Yeah, this ensures, of course, 100% of the availability of uh, the CDN or the quality of experience. Yeah, this is, ensures also the best end user quality in terms of experience. Yeah, but I think what is very important due to the fact that CDN is becoming more and more important. Yeah, and everything is moving from a traditional digital video broadcast domain to an OTT domain. It's very, very important that you're really managing a CDN uh, uh, or a CDN capacity if you have an OTT setup without, without an own network in an accurate way. Yeah, and uh, what we're currently doing uh, also with ATEM is exploring the evolution of OTT. It means the latency, latency matrix and dimension setup, meaning that we uh, integrate the, uh, the, the transcoding encoding engine to see the evolution of the different codecs and formats, yeah, because we have a lot of customers who want to move from a DVB-based environment to an OTT-based environment, yeah, and this is exactly what we're exploring and what we're doing with an integrated setup 
by integrating different values from a player, but also from the pure OTT delivery chain yeah, into the client analytics setup. Yeah, and uh, I think player, player is an important question which we get from a lot of customers. So there's not a single truth of player. So uh, there's not a single player fulfilling the requirements of all the devices of all the needed setups. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, by having the possibility to judge more than 80 plus players available in the market. We think that we have integrated more than uh, more than 90, 95% of all available players in the market. We can judge the player as an independent source of truth. And together with the 10, we can fine tune, yeah, and see which is the best possible choice in terms of evolution from a player environment, yeah. This is something we guarantee uh, with quarterly, uh, quarterly QBRs, where we really see and analyze the data from a customer in a benchmark scenario, judging the different players, combining the different devices with the different players. Also, you see differences between codec and codec. So also by doing the introduction from MPEG Dash, you clearly see the different performance of the different players. So having one player for the whole population is from our perspective, not, uh, uh, not an answer. To the, to the needed things. Also the exposure layer, uh, which is promoted by some of the client developers. I have one exposure layer, which fits to all the end devices is from our perspective, also not the right answer because you have a different user experience uh, uh, for, the, for the different devices. And therefore, yeah, I think it's important from a UI UX perspective to define the right UX navigation flow from an end consumer perspective, but also to do the right choice per end device in terms of players. And this is, where we, in combination with our TEM from, a, from an OTT delivery perspective, can do the right judgment to support our customers in the day-by-day -day business. So and this is something we can do, uh, of course, from a migration, release, and change uh, management methodology. So we, by having the possibility to adopt all the dashboards according to the needs of a customer, we have the possibility to adopt the dashboards according to the release and change management plan. If you introduce a new device, a new network type, so if you move from a, from a, a traditional VDSL or DSL infrastructure to FTTX or from 4G to 5G, yeah, we can define dashboards according to your needs to see the end consumer and the, the let's call it the migration from left to right or the user experience from left to right. But also if you're introducing a new CDN or a new headend, yeah, and this is something we are doing in combination with our team. Yeah, we can explore yeah the quality of experience with our customers. So you you have the integration and the users connected to the old setup. You have the users connected to the new setup. You have uh, one dashboard showing left and right, so both worlds, and you see the migration and the evolution of the population of uh, your end users. But also by integrating a complete new platform or uh, changing the client developer, this is something where with an OTD delivery uh, a supplier in combination with us, so ATEM in combination with us, we can judge the rest of the end-to-end -end landscape, which is very, very positive. For this, yeah, from a day-by-day -day perspective, using our data in combination with the data from ATEM, we have the possibility to improve yeah, and to interact with, with the customer in a much, much faster way. That, that's the release and change management plan. I think it's an important topic because what people are underestimating, a mid-sized operator has more than 450 to 500 changes per month. Yeah, And uh, if you combine and you have the possibility in real time to see what is happening if you introduce yeah, something new in your end-to-end -end landscape yeah, and uh, you see the evolution and how your customers are behaving, I think it's really, really powerful. And that's why we're entering in, into a new domain uh, from an operational excellence model yeah, we uh, give um, uh, so-called child or multi-tenant accounts to uh, ATEM and the providers from the operator, yeah, where they can see in real time and interact with the customer in a much, much faster way. It's a faster time of resolution. It's a faster time in terms of interaction. So no more ticketing tools where you need to write a ticket. You can immediately define alerts and send it to the different providers. I think it's it's extremely powerful. It's a complete new model in terms of way of working, uh, and uh, yeah, we think that's exactly the way we should move on. Okay, thank you, Ruben. Uh, I think it would be also interesting, you know, if you give uh, 
presentation of the company of NPAO itself. I think it's going to be good for everyone to get more details. Of course. Okay. I'm more than happy to share who we are. Yeah. A part of the name, we are nice people at work. Yeah, it's always uh, uh, some of the people are asking, why are you nice people at work? I think it's answering uh, <laughs> answering the question with the name. No, I think, uh, yeah, we are a Spanish company based in Barcelona. Yeah, uh, I think 95% of our team are fans from Football Club Barcelona. I'm one of two being from Real Madrid. So it's my problem. Yeah, but we are based in Barcelona. We are uh, one of the leaders in the client analytics area. We are focusing on video intelligence and big data for QE content ads and user behavior but we are also one of the uh, uh, one of the unique selling points from nice people at work is that we combine qe and qs and ui and ux meaning quality of service with quality of experience and user uh, user interface and user experience in terms of navigation flow for for this we are here we are tracking 197 countries yeah we are processing more than 100 and billion 100 billion plays we have at the moment 170 plus customers and we are integrated with all existing players in the market. If you find a player which is not integrated with us, call me, we're integrated. It's not a problem. Yeah. So here you see as an example, some of our references. So here you see also the flexibility of our solution. So it's not a static solution. It's a dynamic solution where we can adopt the dashboards according to the needs. So and on top, you see as an example, the EBU. European Broadcast Union is using us as a state-of-the-art analytics solution, but also big brands like RTL Group is using us in six, six of eight countries. Yeah. Then in the middle, you see here are two special uh, customers, which we are very proud of because here you see the flexibility of the solution. It's Peloton and Gaia. These are fitness on demand companies. Yeah, I know if you saw the, I don't know if you saw the uh, advertising, uh, um, from, from Peloton, but it's growing very, very fast. Yeah. And we are happy to provide them the quality of experience uh, solution. Yeah. But you see also Globo, which is uh, one of the biggest public broadcasters worldwide. You see Viaplay in Sweden, but we, uh, on the bottom, we have our flagship, yeah, which are the uh, service providers and telco operators. So as an example, we have Vodafone, Telefonica, the complete group, including Spain, yeah, Orange, yeah, we are doing uh, Orange, uh, the OTT service in France. We are doing Spain, America Mobile. We are managing 17 countries with, with one OSS layer, meaning you have a central setup from an operational point of view, and you have local setups in 17 countries where we share experience and it's a fast interaction. So it's not uh, one island is talking to another island. It's really all one soup. Let's talk it like, let's say, let's say it like this. Then we have Telia Zonera which we are very proud of. It's in Scandinavia, combining Telia Play and the major broadcasters in the group. Yeah, we have Foxtel in Australia. And then recently we won also Deutsche Telekom. So we are really, really, really proud to have Deutsche Telekom as the biggest operator in Europe, uh, being our customer. And yeah, Nosh and Chetin are recent, uh, recent references. So nice people at work, a Spanish company. Yeah, one of the leaders in the client analytics space more than happy to uh, attend this webinar and thank you for that yeah so thank you for having the possibility to introduce nice people at work very cool ruben thank you so in, in looking at the solutions and in the trend of using analytics you know what do you believe is the most interesting usage of analytics so the, the most interesting usage of analytics if you, if you talk about trends yeah what you clearly see at the moment yeah um, is it still me? I'm, I'm answering. I think right it's now. This, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so you were too fast skipping slides. That's great. <laughs> no, that's, no, yeah. I think, I think what, what we're doing, and this is exactly what I wanted to answer. So we are uh, managing the flow of the customer, meaning not only the quality of experience and quality of service, meaning platform performance, the customer care setup, or, or from a business and marketing perspective, the content strategy. Yeah, we're also managing the service monetization. So we, we really see which is from an ad perspective, uh, uh, the best possible way to maximize your revenue. Yeah? And then we combine everything with UI UX, meaning we know exactly the navigation flow of your end consumers. Yeah? So QE, QS versus UI and UX, a lot of buzzwords. Yeah? So if I talk to my daughters about that, they say, Papa, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah? 
Well, no, but it's, I think it's very important to mention that because these are two worlds. Usually customers are using different services or different platforms. This is what we are combining completely into one setup. Adding the OTT delivery chain, we are really extremely granular. Yeah, And uh, yeah, last but not least, yeah, with our recently launched users module, we maximize really the customer lifetime value, meaning we see which customers are having a bad experience yeah, which customers are potentially starting to churn. We provide the data to the customer care environment where they're based on a CRM methodology. They transfer our data, which is anonymized, yeah, into real data and they call their customers to avoid that these customers are starting to churn. So from a trend perspective, it's a clear topic, which we see it's uh, QS, which are mainly technical values, matching it with the user experience with the uh, UX flow, because what you don't see in a QE or QS setup is if you develop a shitty app. Yeah, if somebody is not using the app, yeah, you can have so many great technical values. Yeah, you can have the best content all over the world. Yeah, if you don't combine left and right, it might be a good uh -huh. So it was my answer. I hope it was not too long. Yeah. No, yes. And I think if oh, Damien wants to add some points. Yeah, no. it's interesting to see that that flow from, from the customer point of view. And, and it's important to have a, this holistic view. It's also important when we focus on the delivery part to look at the benefits, the direct benefits we can get. And um, previously, I was mentioning this question of heat ratio. And if we come back to the heat ratio, we it's important to understand that every single percent that you gain in terms of each ratio represents massive savings on the backbone. This is an example of an optimization that we've run with a, with, a, with a real example of a customer. At some point, the customer had a previous CDN running 80% each ratio on, on the edge side, which is good. But actually, by deploying NIA CDN, we move that ratio from 80 to 85, to, sorry, from 90 to 95%. And this small 5% actually represented 60 gigabit per second on the backbone. And 60 gigabit per second on the backbone, that is massive. Hmm. That's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of switching capability. That's a lot of fiber capacity that is actually saved just by making sure that we can optimize the heat ratio. And optimizing the heat ratio, this is very simple. This is just by making sure that we cache the right content at the right place for the right user at the right time. And this is easily built on top of the analytics platform. And if we go even further, we also can optimize the way the content is cached inside the CDN. So not only at the far edge of the network on the last layer, but including at the intermediate caching, shield caching, all the different layers in the, in the, in, in the CDN. And here we move the heat ratio from 50% to 64%. And the conclusion of that and the consequence of that was to reduce the traffic at the origin from 60 gigabit per second to 20 gigabit per second. That's a lot of origin servers that have been saved. Now, it reduced the need of origin server. And obviously, the smaller the infrastructure is at the end, the more investment you can do in features, the more investment the uh, operator can do in content, and the more the service can grow and the easier it is also to operate. So making sure that the CDN performs as well as possible is very, very important from my point of view, because it also, you know, it's easier to have a, a good quality of experience and a good quality of service on a simpler infrastructure. So the most performant it is, the simpler it is. So I believe this is uh, this is very very important as well. Very good. And maybe it can be also a question to both of you if you can give some advices on the best types of deployment of analytics uh, platform. Maybe we could share some 
So maybe quick quick idea, and then uh, maybe uh, Ruben, you, you can detail that a little bit more. But but the quick idea and, and the what we see as an architecture that is more and more used and deployed is to make sure that each of the different pieces of the infrastructure have analytics. And then you can combine all that in a platform that aggregates all the different analytics, okay? Uh, you can come back on the, on the previous slide. So the idea is server side and client side, it should not be an opposition. It actually complements very well. It's not the same data, but when you have the possibility to gather both platform together and make sure that you have all the data available, then you have very, very powerful to, tool at the end. Ruben, if you want to uh, explain that a little bit further and go, go even further. Yeah, I think I think I was impressed about uh, uh, I'm still impressed about the uh, uh, re reduction of needed bandwidth from a, from an operator perspective. If you think about a mid-sized operator, what they're spending for a complete new network, it's one one billion euros. Yeah, yeah, and if you see that you can lose or uh, save a lot of capacity, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah, no, but coming back to this topic here, I think it's it's very important. Uh, one topic you mentioned, yeah. And uh, which, which is very important is that all the single bricks in the end-to-end -end chain really provide the data from an analytics perspective. Yeah. So what we are, what we are doing is combining from a client perspective and judging uh, the complete user experience. Yeah. I think it's 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 very very important. Yeah. That we have the possibility to really use the data. And this is something people are underestimating. The, the, they look into features, they look into functions, they deploy the solution, and then they see, oh, from a monitoring management perspective, I need to do something because end consumers are using my service. And here, I think you see the best practice scenario I already mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, so this is exactly how we work together yeah, in a faster way of interacting. So you are providing the data to us, but you're also interacting with the ticketing service quality ma management and knock uh, systems from a customer. Yeah, and by having this possibility, we can faster interact. You are using our data as well. You can see the real-time data of the operator. And I think that's an important way, uh, topic that we change the way of working. Yeah, not using a ticketing system or an old-fashioned ticketing system to really interact yeah, uh, with dashboards and capabilities on the real-time data. I think that's, that's the fastest way. It's a complete different way of working. It's a complete different operational excellence model. Yeah, auto-ticketing auto processes and stuff, that, stuff like that helps us to really improve. AI-based methodologies in terms of alerting helps us to fine-tune the fault and management catalog. Yeah, I think uh, that's exactly the way customers should go in terms of managing their end-to-end -end landscape. Yeah, so, but uh, everything you said, I fully agree. Yeah, if you don't provide analytics data from a brick perspective, don't buy it. Yeah, so it's uh, it's an easy topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has to be an end to end from both uh, sides of the whole ecosystem, right? Yes, exactly. And I think it's it's important to mention uh, there was a, a recent announcement, you know, from major milestone between the partnership of Atem and, and Paul. So I'd like you to you know to comment on this. I think it's important to the audience. Yeah, and I believe I mean. Um... Uh, earlier on, uh, Ruben uh, presented a, an impressive list of customers of uh, NPO. And actually, a lot of them are, are joint customers. And what we know from the field, what we, what we know from the existing deployment is that there is a great value of running uh, NIA CDN and ATM's product together with Eubora and, and NPO's product. So the idea is very simple. We came up with this agreement. We wanna show everyone the power of combining those two products. So it's very simple. Any NIA CDN customer would get a free Eubora account. This is what uh, Enpo has agreed to, and thank you for that. And in return, obviously we agreed that every Eubora customer uh, would get a couple of NIA CDN free caching service. So all the details are in the uh, in in the press uh, in the press release, 
Um, we, we could comment on that, but I see we only have, uh, have 10 minutes left. So maybe we should uh, focus on um, customers' question. I've, I've, I've seen we already have a lot of them. So if, if we could uh, yeah. at least have uh, maybe uh, five questions answered in, in, the next, uh, in the next 10 minutes would, would be great. Yeah, okay. So I can get you the questions. So one question, there's, uh, what is the impact of the open caching initiative on analytics in general, server or client side? I can take that one. I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, open caching. So um, mm -hmm. quick reminder on open caching. So open caching is a, is a technology that is uh, being uh, developed and a standard that is being developed uh, by the Streaming Video Alliance. Mm -hmm. And the target is to make sure that uh, there could be some agreement between content owners and ISPs so that content owners can use the CDNs of ISPs to distribute their content. One, um, one, one initiative that is quite well known is Disney's. So Disney initiative is to actually be able to rent ISP CDN to distribute their content. And in order to do that, it requires what we call CDN interconnection. So CDN interconnection is very basic. It's the idea to interconnect the uh, CDN from the content owner and the CDN from the ISPs. Obviously, in order to do that, we're back to a number of different uh, optimization that Ruben has um, talked about. It's about a multi-CDN approach. It's about routing to the best CDN. It's uh, about multi-tenancy and so on and so on. So in order to correctly manage an open caching enabled infrastructure, it's obviously very important to have the right analytics to understand which content is coming from which CDN, from which content provider, and how this is all routed to the best CDN to deliver a given content to a given end user. So this is in the same ID. If you want to optimize an open caching based um, um, solution, analytics are absolutely key. Exactly. It's uh, so uh, that's so we are we are completely agnostic. Yeah, the, I think from a multi CDN perspective, we can choose also the best possible CDN based on the data we are getting from an end consumer perspective. Yeah, an open caching for us. Yeah, it's like a, a, a CDN. Yeah, for 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 us, it's not a problem. Yeah, I think uh, we are the independent judgment for fine tuning process of all the different CDNs used in the workflow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, another question we have is regarding the example you showed, Damien, where we sh we're showing the hit rate reduced. So the question is, in the operator backbone example, it gave like 5% of better CDN cache hit rate, reduced backbone traffic by uh, X gigabytes. But what is the percentage that that represents of the total traffic? In other words, uh, is there leverage here in this example? I think so in, in, in that example, in that example, actually, we're getting back to the graphs. We yeah. can see that the traffic on the backbone was actually divided by two. So it used to be 122 gigabit per second, and we've bring back that we've bring that back to 60 gigabit per second. So you can see how powerful this is. And if we, look at, if we look carefully at the benefit, the first benefit is that it reduces uh, the bandwidth requirement on the backbone. It means that some of those links that are bottlenecks of the network, you know, you just free up tens of gigabit per second. In that case, 60 gigabit per second. The second point is consequently, those intermediate caching so this, this first level of cache, instead of having to dimension that for 122 gigabit, you only need half of these servers. Mm -hmm. And because you need half of these servers, and because we can, all, we can again reduce um, 
sorry, optimize the caching and, and enhance the cache ratio of that layer of um, caching, it ends up being only uh, a third of the capacity on the origin servers. So dividing by three, the number of origin server that is required for the service. So if we were to look at, you know, the total infrastructure, it obviously doesn't change anything to the edge layer, but it divides by two, the intermediate caching, divides by two, the backbone uh, bandwidth requirements, and divides by three, the origin capacity requirements. So that's, that's massive savings, absolutely massive, massive savings. And I think, I think if you then combine it with the uh, um, analytics setup where we see the use profiles from the end consumers, we have even a, a bigger effect by joining forces from an analytics perspective. Yeah, but it's, this is really impressive if you see that the mid-size uh, operator spends 1 billion for uh, a new network. <laughs> I think that's, uh, yeah. I think it's a, a very important to understand the value of a CDN and moving more into the OTT domain, it's becoming more and more important, yeah. There's one quick question, Damien, if you could repeat just uh, how we achieve the bandwidth savings, just give some more details of how it's achieved. Yep, so, so the bandwidth saving, in fact, uh, the way to achieve that is to increase the heat ratio. Okay, so the, the primary purpose of the caching servers is to make sure that when we have an incoming request, we maximize the, the, the number of time where we already have the content in the cache. This is really the idea. And in order to do that, the question is, what is the policy in order, what, in, in order to define which content should be cached and which content should not be cached and how to route the different requests to an edge server that has the highest probability to get the cache, the content in the cache. Actually, having a cache server is something that is pretty easy to do. You have a lot of cache servers available. You have a lot of open source uh, cache server on the market. What's complex in a CDN, what's really complex is to define those policy, how to route the different requests to a node that has the highest probability to have the content in the cache. This is, this is complex. How to define if a cache server should drop the content or should keep it in the cache. And this is really where we bring the value. And this is the kind of fine tuning, defining those policies. This is a fine tuning that we enable thanks to the right um, KPIs that we get from the analytics. Um, dashboards and, and the analytics platforms. Let me let me add a comment if I'm allowed to. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is exactly what we see also in our day by day business. Yeah, um, uh, 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 operators are moving more and more into a cloud based origins topic to uh, do the load balancing in the connecti connectivity setup. Yeah, I think you're ex exactly uh, describing the use case. Yeah, what they, they really should do. Yeah, and this is exactly what we see in our analytics day, data by, day by day. The origin setup should be really de uh, deployed in the right way in combination with the caching setup. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something we see day by day. Yeah. So I think we have two more minutes. Uh, we get one last question. So, what is the best solution for analytics deployment, a cloud-based or on-prem solution? <laughs> That's a good question. It seems like we could have this question for, for any deployment. Um, I'm not sure there is a good answer for that. I will let uh, Ruben answer of, from his point of view, but from my point of view, there is no one answer. It depends on you know, it depends on the setup, it depends on the operator, it depends on the use case, it depends on too, on too many factors. Basically, the multi-cloud or omni-cloud politics is always the right one. So deploy it in the cloud, whether that's private cloud or public cloud, make sure you deploy it in a cloud. So make sure you deploy it on a scalable infrastructure. This is the most important from my point of view. 
Robert, you want to add uh, something? Um, yeah, and we will need to uh, stop right after. Yeah, I think I think it's important to see what are the potential release and management changes uh, for the different bricks. So from a from a cloud analytics perspective, a cloud-based environment is the your best possible choice. Yeah, if you see how fast the the, the market is changing, how many uh, devices you need to add and stuff like that. If you have an on-prem solution in terms of release and change management, it's hard to cope with the speed of the different changes you need to do. From a from a from a device and from an analytics perspective, if you have a CDN topic or CDN where the values are not changing and the releases are not changing so fast, an on-prem installation might be uh, also the best possible uh, fit. So it's exactly what Damian mentioned. I think from an end-to-end -end ecosystem perspective, bricks should be seen separately, but also yeah, you see need to see also the dynamic how fast you need to do changes from a from a from a, a device perspective from a Whatever you need to do from a from a uh, uh, from a yeah, brick perspective. Yeah. So thank you. We are running out of time, but I think we had good and interesting questions. It was a very good presentation. Thank you, Ruben. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Bruno. Thank you. Uh, we will share thank the recording you, afterwards. And the next section is going to be about. Next Gen TV, ATC, and 3.0 ATC roundtable. So I have one, one question. Uh, Damia, which car was ours? The fastest one. <laughs> <laughs> I expected the answer. Great, Damia. Thank you for the time and thank you for the possibility. Yeah. Thank you very Thanks, much. Everyone, thank you. Bye. Everyone, take care. Now, we are at the end of the FIT podcast. If you would like to find out more, you can go to the atom.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time, we will cover NextGen TV and a roundtable on ATSC 3.0. So don't miss out. <laughs>